Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to The Naked Vocalist. We have been away for a little while. I'm not going to get into excuses about that because um, there aren't any, really, are there, Steve? Laziness. <laughs> Good. Laziness. It's normally top one. Life. Laziness and life. Yeah. Two L's. Um, and we got three yeah, L's. But we are, we are pumped. We are pumped to pee. That happy, doesn't fit with... Doesn't fit with the alliterative uh, theme I was going with there. So you f- think of another one. But uh, we got three L's: l- lazy life and lorry. Here we go. <laughs> that segues us into our first guest that we've um, that we've uh, very excited to introduce after a, a, a long hiatus from the podcasting community, and that is our friend and colleague Laurie Sonnenberg, who is a speech and language pathologist and works with actually a lot of singers so that's why uh we found it so useful to kind of get in touch with you because it's uh um speech therapy and the, and the link to singing it's not always the same for for people who are just attending speech therapy for speech so this is why i think it's valuable um based uh, somewhere in or near chicago is what i um what i uh, presume and seem from your information so why don't you tell us a little bit more about like wh- what you do wh- what is your link to singers and how do you help them with some of the very specific struggles that they have yeah i'd love to so well my i started my career as a classical soprano so i have that performance background the voice teacher background i did that for many years uh, and before i shifted into speech pathology and uh and i went into speech pathology specifically to help singers who were dealing with vocal injury so uh there was there was a very linear sort of journey with that and uh and i've had my entire uh career practice here in the chicago land area so that's kind of what we call it chicago land and <laughs> so i am in the suburbs and uh and i started my practice uh with a really well-known laryngologist named Bob Bastian, Robert Bastian, and uh, he's the Bob, one that's Bob to his friends, here. Yeah. And yes, yes. And so I worked with him for many years early in my career. So I, I credit a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of my uh, philosophies, my terminology, a lot of the ways that I, I talk and think about the voice uh, in, in my work. It, it, it's sort of comes and and sort of flows out of his culture that he's created in his practice so i now have my own practice uh, which is very exciting i just celebrated like my fifth anniversary called sonnenberg voice uh, just down the street from his practice so i'm still very connected and collaborate with uh, all of the major laryngologists here in chicago so my my practice is primarily uh voice upper airway and singing. So if someone has a, uh, a diagnosis in that affects one of those three categories, they get referred to me. I will say though that probably 70 plus percent of my practice is made up of singers of some kind, whether they're avocational, professional, all styles, genres. Uh, I work with Elvis impersonators, you know, all the way up to the Metropolitan Opera. So it's uh, it's a very broad, uh, you know, stroke of of the types of singers, ages, and everything that I work with. So um, another little niche that has sort of developed uh, over the last five six years 
is I'm, I sort of sub, what I say is I subspecialize in muscle tension dysphonia for the singing voice. So that uh, most of the singers that find me and make their way to me, that's a part of their history on some level. Great. Can you, can so, you just for the people that are listening, cause um, we have a very broad audience and a lot of the singers would be ranging from hobbyists right through to again, like pros and vocal coaches. What would be the simplest way to describe muscle tension dysphonia for anybody who's not sure what that is? Uh, the way I like to describe it is, uh, I'll, I, how about this? I'll talk to you about it the way I tell my singing patients about it. So I, essentially, usually what it means is there are compensatory behaviors in the extrinsic muscles of the larynx that are trying to help with voice production and sound production when those intrinsic muscles that are responsible for vocal fold vibration and closure, especially especially vocal fold closure, uh, aren't doing their job very well. And so, so there are a number of reasons why that can happen, but muscle tension dysphonia is primarily a functional voice problem. So there's not a problem with the parts themselves, organically, physically, there's a problem with the use of the mechanism. Mm -hmm. So in singing teacher terms or in singer terms, so we have to bring, unfortunately, that leads us to the word technique. Now, we don't like to say that, you know, we don't want to assume that a singer has bad technique if they develop a problem. Uh, but in essence, it is a technical issue that needs to be addressed when muscle tension is at play. Mm -hmm. That's quite a nice well, yeah, distinction. We do, don't we? <clears throat> Can we skip that skipped around that topic a lot isn't it in the industry the the i we, we can't possibly say that someone is wrong for doing what they're doing essentially what we're saying right right uh, right um, but, and, and but there's even a newer push to stop using the terminology muscle tension dysphonia where yeah. there's a newer sort of campaign or initiative to because that even sort of brings a lot of negativity into the mindset for singers mm -hmm. when they're diagnosed with that and they they sort of feel like they become that and so we're always looking mm. for more positive messaging around it so the way that i talk about it is that you there we're dealing with muscle tension patterns that's the kind of the terminology that i've come to because <laughs> i mean the thing is that the truth of it is is that if i've got a goal in life oh, where am i going if i if i want to this is where i want to go I'm not achieving that. Oh, it's because of this. Well, that means what I'm doing isn't conducive to the goal that I that I require. So in some ways it is incorrect, right? But yes, we understand yes, the emotions yes, that surround. Absolutely. Right. And I talk a lot with people, whether we're dealing with uh, vocal fold injury, swelling, pathology, or muscle tension category where there's no injury, but it's a technical issue. I talk with them a lot about how as we're uh, learning the new behaviors that work better for us, that it's okay for us to hold the other ones too. You know, that we, we have to hold those old patterns and behaviors that don't work well, the incorrect ones, whatever you want to call them. So we sort of have to hold them both at the same time as we're transitioning and mm. developing our new skills. And so that's another way that I've learned to talk with people about it that I think 
is encouraging and motivating rather than shaming or uh you know making them feel bad about their technique yeah and you know so you see, it might not always be that technique like for example some people can experience muscle tension dysphonia with like only small issues in technique and it or, or even just overuse of the voice like too much load um or something brand oh, new absolutely. right so it's, it's, it's technique that gets you out of it but it's not necessarily your technique that got you in it it was the load but the, te oh, exactly. the technique there's, gets, there's, gets you out of it there's so many reasons that a singer might find themselves in that place uh now here's the reality is we all have muscle tension i mean we we it happens every day for us. And so uh, it, it's it's not an uncommon thing. It's, it's a very common thing. So, but muscle tension dysphonia can occur for, oh my goodness, like so many avenues of life and vocal experience that bring people to that place. For example, uh, even just being sick, you, you get really sick, you have an upper respiratory infection, uh, you lose your voice, your voice is really difficult during that time. And then you get well, it drags on, but you get well, but then it takes the voice a, a lot longer to kind of come back to baseline. It's very common for singers to deal with mild muscle tension dysphonia type issues in that scenario. And that delay there, Laurie, is that that co common delay, is, uh, I guess is what you're saying, uh, of the, the voice? Is, are you saying that some uh, singer may be sick and then the, 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 the symptoms of the cold, as we know it as a human, go, but for some reason my voice isn't working, it isn't doing what it used to do? Is that, so that is common, and what are the re no, why, does that why does that linger? Is it the inflammation around that part of the body? Is that... No, no, I mean, it possibly. Uh, my theory is that it lingers because while we're trying to get back on track, we're compensating. You know, the, the, the body, the brain gotcha. is so powerful. And so if there's an imbalance in here, our brains know that. And so even subconsciously, I think we're compensating without realizing it and so singers and singers what we're good at our job is to make really good sound and so we will do anything <laughs> to make the sound the way we think it should sound and should feel and so through that process of trying to get back to what feels normal for a singer i think things just get off track sometimes and it, we need a little special extra special guidance just kind of finding our way again so takeaway number one there for anybody listening at home would you say that if someone is sick there what is the well i want to put, put words in your mouth what would be your best ideally not considering people have got gigs or whatever it may be ideally would they not do anything at all in that in that time that they're sick you know, even cancel singing lessons, whatever it may be. Well, uh, that's a really, <laughs> that's a really big question. Um, I think the thing to, the, my shortest answer is that in recovery, there are different like stages. So we, you know, you have your acute phase where, uh, you know, things are really not great. And then you have that sort of transitional phase and then you have the re-entry phase. Um, uh, Marcy Rosenberg did a really great article in the Journal of Singing last year on this very kind of scenario. And uh, 
so what I what I would say is that you have to let your voice and your body be the guide. And, you know, I think your voice is going to let you know what it can and can't do. And and you have to listen to that. And so uh, it is good to take time off during that acute phase. Absolutely. You know, and then during your transitional uh, phase where you're improving, you're feeling better, your voice is starting to come back. You have to sort of coax uh, your voice during that uh, sort of the second phase of recovery. Uh, you know, the one of the things, and this kind of relates to my favorite topic, which, which is vocal fold swelling uh, and, and how that affects the voice. But, you know, swelling generally almost I mean, I don't have a percentage because it hasn't been studied officially, but in my experience, swelling almost always affects the voice top down. So you're going to, you know, the, those fine, that, that upper range uh, is going to be the final part that sort of comes back. And so that sometimes can, you can kind of monitor that as you're healing from your illness. And, uh, and sometimes that drags on a really long time. You know, those highest notes, it might take weeks for that to come back after a bronchitis or some kind of severe upper respiratory infection. So you have to kind of listen to those signals. And as your voice allows you, just begin to coax it back, uh, doing what you need to do. Uh, and then sometimes, just because we're talking about the sickness, I usually recommend even after you get back to baseline, you don't want to just jump back in the fire full, you know, all the way. Like you, you don't want to just go back to your full level of vocal demand. You want to give yourself a couple of weeks to sort of work your way back up to that. Mm. And the strategies around that can be quite different from person to person, I guess. Like. A hobbyist could just not sing for a couple of weeks whereas maybe speaking to the muscle tension dysphonia situation sometimes is sometimes people get muscle tension dysphonia because they only have one way they use the instrument for example um, or they're required to use it very much one way for a job I, i'm reminded by somebody i work with who was frankie valley for like two years it wasn't surprising uh that that very uh, exceptional way of singing for someone who doesn't normally do that day in day out very very hard to get out of the patterns of muscle tension dysphonia so that person or, or even someone who's swollen um instead of taking time off like the hobbyist they need to learn how to use their voice in a variety of ways so that they can reduce the vocal load uh in the way that they sing it might not be they can't reduce the schedule as much but they have to reduce the impact to their voice within the schedule so how do you Absolutely. normally how do you normally help people with that? Uh, with, well, you know what I call that is optimizing. Mm. So uh, that's, you know, I kind of have this sort of five key components to managing all of this and optimization is, is one of them. And my favorite way, uh, now, now are you talking, are you asking specifically about getting a singer out of muscle tension patterns or are you asking about recovery from illness? Yeah, so recovering when the schedule may feel like it has to be met, right? So reducing wow. reducing the impact without reducing the schedule and how, how people can, what, what's the first port of call is like, I have to do these gigs. So yeah, how, yeah. But I don't know, well, but I, 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 need, I need ways I, to sing differently. First and foremost, 
<laughs> my what I call it is uh, no unpaid singing. I mean, I mean, no unpaid singing, no unpaid voice use. So in a situation like that, if you're not getting paid for it, zip it. Like, don't do it. <laughs> uh, and and that helps a little bit. You know, it helps sort of preserve and prioritize. So the second thing, I mean, the the three primary. I think I'm going to say three. You you have to warm up no matter what. I, I hear a lot of singers asking about sacrificing a warm up. You know, say, well, my voice is not great today, so. I'm not going to warm up because I'm saving up because I got to use my voice here. And that's just a terrible idea. <laughs> so you, you know, warm up is non-negotiable. I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, and, and a, a, a great voice teacher can help you optimize that. So you want to do your best warm ups. Uh, you want to uh, optimize by doing a few things. One, uh, you know, my favorite way to optimize is identify a vocal exercise of some sort. It can be something so simple. Like for me, um, it's a lip trill. That's just my personal little. I probably make that noise for very short periods of time, you know, 15 times a day. Yeah. Because it, it, I call it a vocal reset. So if we reset a lot for very short periods of time during those days, it helps things along. We also know from limited research that little warm-ups like that or vocal resets, like I call them, whatever you do it on, it doesn't matter. It's, it's individual. It's a very personal decision. But we know that that helps mitigate swelling and facilitate healing. Sure. And we don't have a lot of research about that, <laughs> but we've got a little bit. And so that is very important. So you don't sacrifice your warm up. You make sure to check in for really short periods of time during that day leading up to your performance. So maybe you don't do the full out practice session that you would normally do. You do short little bursts. Yeah. That's a great point. The warm up means warm up means a l many different things to many different people, as it we does. As, as we know, right? So, what is your intention and and measurement of success, I suppose, for a warm up on that basis? Oh Sorry. boy. Um, well, I believe very strongly in the theory or the philosophy of building on previous steps in a warm up. Are you familiar with that concept, like the order of operations kind of idea? It's actually the way it is. It's actually the way that infants develop, uh, learn how to make sound and speech. And mm. so it's a it's a very built in uh, regulatory system that's already in there for us. And so um, I can't remember what the name of the reflex is called. But anyway, uh, so I like building on order of operations and and previous steps. And so I I always tell my singers for their warm up, you, you have to have some kind of breath movement in there. So I, I like flow, you got to flow first. <laughs> so and even if it's as simple as just taking a few breaths and blowing your air out like you're blowing out a candle, just something really, really simple. I like to flow first, 
then we add some vibration and there are a lot of options for that, right? We like our trills, we like our straw phonation, uh, we, we've got to add vibration. And so um, I generally choose from like voiced consonants like these and uh, mm -hmm. buzzy consonants, fricatives, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then straw, lip trills, tongue trills, raspberries, raspberry being the one with the tongue out. So then the third component for me is that uh, resonance piece. So you've mm -hmm. got to hit on those in that short warm up, even if it's only five to 10 minutes. And, and I have found in voice therapy, uh, and this just sort of happened organically in my career, because when I first started, I didn't really know what I was doing, like, in, like everyone. <laughs> I was just kind of figuring out, okay, you know, they, the doctor would bring me the patient and say, this is what they have, um, and this is what we need to change. And so figure out how to do that as quickly as possible. Without a scalpel. And Yes, without a scalpel. And, and, <laughs> I'm doing and, so reach for the knife and just have a look in there, really. Uh, right. Just use your ears, Lori. Just use your ears and just he, figure he, out he, like how to, you know, like and and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Dr. Bastian would bring me a singer and say this singer does not know how to close their vocal folds. Here's a photo of what their closure patterns like. Uh, and you've got six sessions to figure out how to change that. Wow. So did you and, got them to I lift was... a piano, yeah? <laughs> well, wait, say that again. Did you get them to lift a piano? Job done. Go for it. Let's go. <laughs> I'm a Maybe. superstar. Next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. So, so, so I learned really really early on in my work, you know, because I, I really did. I, I had to get results immediately with people. I mean, before, in the first session before they walked out the door. So that's for me personally, that's sort of where that learning how to warm up and exercise the voice really efficiency in a very short, short period of time came from. Mm. And I've seen it work <clears throat> thousands of times. Yeah. Just to wrap that one up there, Laura, because that's fantastic. Because um, certainly something that I, 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 we think the same in terms of that. I think of what you're saying is adding that purpose to progressional steps. Yes. So to give you know reason, why, why, why are we even bothering with this? Well, because if that does a breath, that does a bit of vocal fold action, that does a bit of vocal tract action, we're good. But is there something? Is it, is it essentially the singer then goes? I feel better now. Now I can move on with my day. Is that this of measurement of success? Right. Good. Of course they do. Right. And 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 then their stress level goes down because it's like, wow, you, you know, we I I we did a fun post for Valentine's Day on socials this week and my my uh, administrator was asking like, "Well, I want you to come up with some of your favorite things that you love about the voice. What do you love about the human voice?" And one of my fav my top favorite thing, of course, it's an amazing organ, you know, it's an, an amazing thing. It does amazing things for us, but it responds so quickly to change. Mm -hmm. Instantaneously. 
you can change mm -hmm. the way a voice sounds and works if you know what to do with it. And so one of my, I feel like one of my most important jobs when I'm guiding a singer through making those choices and deciding, well, which exercises are right for me and my voice, my instrument is teaching them how to make those decisions for themselves. And if mm. I guide them through that trial and error process enough, they're going to figure out how to do that. And I always say that I feel like I've done my job really, really well with someone if they learn how to do that for themselves and don't need me. Mm. That's right. So then you, well, you communicate those principles, don't you? It's not about the exercises or what were the exercises again? But what you've explained are principles instead, which mean you can you can bring in lots of different exercises across the course of oh. five years that fit the principle, the base principle, which is easily like one of the best ways to communicate uh, learning. Whereas, um, yeah, with exercises, but you know, talking about the warm up and you know, five or ten minutes are the two times we've sort of mentioned in passing. But I know that a lot of people would consider their warm up to not be effective unless it was 30 minutes, <laughs> or even 60 minutes. So, you know, hearing you talk there, it's I guess if someone's thinking they're going to use up their mileage in a 10 minute warm up, that warm up is questionable, or you are not in a state to sing. Yes, yes, absolutely. But if you know what to do, you know, I always say there's a, this has sort of become a, um, I don't know, part of the culture of my practice and my work with singers is there, and anyone that I work with, there is all, I, I believe this very firmly, there is always a way in the door. There's always a way in. Mm. And, and we're going to find it. You know, I don't really care what it is. <laughs> I don't care how off the wall it is and bizarre the noise is, or, you know, I, I we're going to identify it and then we are gonna build your warm up or your exercise regimen around those concepts. Hmm. And and that's with I guess there's a there's a balance we had there with the um, not forcing things if on a day when it may not it may not you, I guess what you're saying is there's always something it may just be a slither somewhere down the road but that's the experience you have to figure that slither out and not chase a chase a rabbit down a warren that is going to cause more problems right right well mm -hmm. and and swelling vocal fold swelling is a part of this for singers on a very regular basis because of something that I call day-to-day -day variability there's a mm. lot of day-to-day -day variability in a busy vocalist life, whether it's mm. due to professional responsibility or personal, because you have to consider all of that. You have to consider the innate things about us as a human, and then the, the uh, external things about our lives. And so if you put all that together, uh, the reality is swelling is going to happen. Overuse of the voice is going to happen for most of us. If we are talkative by nature, that's probably going to happen somewhere along the, the way. Mm -hmm. And, and, mm -hmm. and so that's why I'm so, I feel so strongly about talking about it so directly and honestly and saying, let's not, let's not think of this as something bad that's happening. 
you know, I'm going to, I overused my voice and I woke up the next morning and my, and I could tell something was not right. I, I was missing high notes. I couldn't sing softly. Uh, my, I, I'm, I'm tired vocally. That's, that's probably one of the most common things, but that's at play in that whole thing. And, and knowing how to interpret those warning signals is really important because you, you, you don't want to attribute it to just something that is not what it is. So for example, like, well, I didn't get a very good night's sleep. You know, my voice is, oh gosh, it's so tired this morning. Wow, I'm really struggling today. Um, you know, I, it, 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 the weather has just been all over the place. Well, there are external factors that, but it's simple science. I always say it's very simple science. <laughs> you, the, the mucosa, the outer layer of the vocal folds, it, it is not, it, it's, it's not, it, vibration isn't infinite. There is a limit for every single one of us. And the other kind of interesting thing that people should really be aware of is that warm up covers up swelling and overuse. It will make it less noticeable. So if you don't know how to test for swelling and difficulty before your warm up, then you're going to warm up. You'll be like, oh, well, you know, a singer will say, um, uh, well, my voice is just always like that in the morning. And, and I'm never ready to go until I've done my warm up. Yeah. Well, so I take issue with that. I don't think yeah. that's the way it's, it has to be. And it should be. Absolutely. Interesting. That's a great point, Laurie. I mean, I'm just thinking about someone, let's just say Janet's listens to this at home right now. And she's, she's sad, right? Cause she's, you know, waking up every day, the voice isn't, isn't working as you'd want it, as you just said, right? So what you said there, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's the warm, clearly warm is good universally, but not if I wake up every chronically every day with, oh, my voice isn't, isn't working as it should. I'm feeling tired, fatigued, all those feelings that we may get with, uh, with that. Um, so there's a the first thing, acknowledging that I've got an ongoing problem. Um, the warm-up will help whether or not it's an ongoing problem. So there's two phases there really of awareness that we need to consider. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, what, so what would you say? So let's just say, you know, Janet is thinking that right now, what would you, uh, the warm up does feel good after I do it and I do get going, but yeah, I am feeling every day that I'm tired and fatigued. Have I got a big problem, Laurie? Or what, what do I do well, next? Well, the first, the first order of business, I think in, her situation <laughs> is to uh we have to know our own baseline really well we have to take the time and make the effort to get to know our baseline well it sounds like she already kind of knows her baseline she knows her baseline is that well most mornings are like this it's a little problematic and i don't know what the symptoms are maybe um she can't sing high softly or uh it, her voice is breathy you know she starts singing and it's a little airy and breathy onset delays maybe uh where there's like a little delay I, i'm going to define that for our listeners who may not know what that is but an onset delay is when there's a little 
little delay in the sound turning on. Sometimes there's like a little puff of air before it. So like, happy birthday to, to you. There's like a little delay. Which, which um, I might add goes away if you get louder, but that's not the point, is it? <laughs> it does go away if you get louder. That's another thing. That, that that's exactly right so so you have to get to know your own personal baseline first and it usually takes about a week to do that so if you know how to test for swelling from overuse or misuse or whatever we want to call it uh if you know how to test for that you can do that very regularly for a period of time just to kind of see like where is my what we call your ceiling for that so um once you get to know your baseline, then you can make some, what I call informed decisions about what to do with that. Uh, then you make decisions about, do I need to rest? Do I, how much do I need to rest? That sort of thing. And then you do what you need to do and rest enough to get back, to, to try to get your baseline to move up. So let me demonstrate. I think I should probably demonstrate the swelling test mm, just to be great. clarify. Is that a good idea right now? Mm, so yeah. so uh, the way we test for swelling, typically uh, swelling on the vibrating edge of the vocal fold, so a little cushion or padding there, whether it's a big nodule or it's just a little baby swelling because I sang really loud at the concert last night that I was enjoying, you know? Uh, that is going to interfere in the highest parts of the range, usually head voice, soft volume, or falsetto. So you can call it whatever you want to. Uh, for a singer, they can use uh, Dr. Bastian's research uh, and his thing that he kind of came up with a really long time ago. It was in the 90s when they first started using it, is the first phrase of happy birthday. So it, when I test my voice, before I warm up in the morning, while I'm walking my dog, I might add, uh, I just go, happy birthday, you can see how tiny that sound is. I mean, I'm barely making sound. It's, it's not, it's not even really singing. It's just sort of a mousy little noise I'm making. So pianissimo is really the goal with volume. Uh, if I were swollen, which it happens sometimes because I'm a very busy therapist and mom and teacher and all the things, right? Uh, it's gonna sound like this. Happy birthday to you. Mm. Yeah, that seemed familiar to any of us. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to sound like that after your stag do, Steve. Yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah, I'll test you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll test you. <laughs> I'll come and bang on your door with a keyboard, a little Casio keyboard. Come on then, let's test. Let's get your baseline today, mate. Right. Um, so you yeah. want to go? You want to find out the highest place in your singing range in falsetto or head voice at a very soft volume that you can do that too. So you're going to go to the piano, you know, you, I don't, most musicians don't really even need a keyboard to do it. You sort of innately kind of know where you are, uh, but if you want to identify it, you can. So I know for myself, my typical normal ceiling at best baseline is C6 because I'm a high soprano. 
Uh, it used to be higher. I don't have my extension anymore. But is that how you call legs. your dog back as well from from when it's because <laughs> that, that's pretty high. <laughs> right, right. So I'll take it. I'll t- I'm I'm 47. I'll take it. So, uh, so, uh, so C6. Uh, and so if my ceiling, so say you know kind of where you, how high you can go with that on your best days, your very best days, then you kind of say, okay, this is what I'm gonna measure against here. This is how I'm gonna track this. So if your ceiling for that is lower on a given day, after you've done a lot more with your voice in the previous days, then that suggests that there could be some swelling on the vibrating edge of the vocal fold interfering. So I usually say the difference of a third and the interval of a third or more is significant to me. Okay, that's great. That's quite measured. And so a half step, you know, here or there, eh, well, that's not a big deal. But if it's like a third or more, then we need to really pay attention to that. Sure. And you know, you're thinking about the times in the day. So would you expect um, the large majority of singers to experience a big change in that post performance, but expect it to return closer to baseline by the morning? Or like what, what what is the recovery so that it's not gathering day after day? So what's what do you think is like, because some people will do it and they will scare the shit out of themselves because they're like oh my god i've lost a third but then maybe that maybe that's just timing right. <laughs> like it was af- after um i don't know after doing the town crier shift or something i don't know <laughs> right <laughs> you know what when, right. when no, that's what? a great yeah yeah I hate that, that is a really great question so <laughs> so <laughs> well a shift ever stop, get, stop giving it to mm. me. uh sorry carry on going <laughs> No, no. So that's a great question. So uh, a couple of little tidbits about vocal fold swelling from overuse. One, uh, it takes swelling a little while to show up. Okay, so you can't do this test. I have a lot of singers, they'll say, well, I finished my show and I tested and everything was fine. (laughs) And well, that doesn't count because you just finished singing a three hour show. You're pretty warmed up. So, you, you know, that's not a fair, accurate test. So it takes a little while. So uh, swelling will generally show up later. And sometimes that's another little indicator for is this a technical issue or a swelling issue. Uh, but uh, so to Chris, to your question, the ideal recovery for all of us is overnight. Right. We want to get back to our very best baseline the next morning. Now, mild vocal fold swelling, what I call little baby swellings uh, that you can barely see. Like if we were to scope, you can see a little bit, but it's not a lot. Uh, It's only going to interfere, you know, in your top couple of notes at a soft volume. That's what I call baby swelling. One to two days probably of recovery and that doesn't even necessarily mean complete voice rest you just do less than usual and monitor that ceiling until you get back to where you know you need to be more moderate swelling i mean we're if we're getting into like four five seven days of recovery that's significant swelling 
Right. And so the thing that the thing that we really want people to uh, to not let go on endlessly is these little several days recovery that that comes in once a month once every six weeks because what's going to happen in a scenario like that is that ultimately that little acute thing that keeps happening is going to settle in and become more chronic and that's how local nodules form and so so when people want to know the difference between it between like an official pathology or little swelling from overuse it has to do with that sort of lifetime pattern of it and so if it's happening real frequently well guess what those those episodes are going to get closer together and more frequent sure and when you say just to clarify next morning uh, not upon waking or any time before lunch. Yeah, yeah, I so think not, that's not that sounds reasonable. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and my voice is shot, but I got good lunch. Do I need to? Do I need to test you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. So, because you know, because I'm thinking actually about about my morning voice actually, because actually as I've got older, I've got way better at singing in the morning, and I know now that is because. Um, in part because of how much I was catching flies in the night, if you know what I mean. Is that a, that's a term everyone's familiar with? Uh, I'm not going to explain it. Um, but yeah, too much, too much dry air through the mouth for eight hours. Um, so, you know, for me, I was just not a morning person. But the truth is, I was snoring uh, and, um, you know, also single, so no one could tell me. <laughs> so that was the reason why. Now I'm married, you know, I'm hyper aware that that's what I do. Um, so I corrected it. But that's what that's what made the difference in the morning. So I think if I would have done a swelling test at 7 a.m., uh, it would have been a nightmare. But I, And I wouldn't have warmed up, but I anticipate with water, food, a bit of speaking. Um, that right, test, but you also that test might have, have been better be, by 12 or something, you know, by 11 or 12 or something. Right, but you also have to use just, so again, simple science, common sense here. It's one thing for you to just have that sort of thing. And, and if you look at, you have to look at, look back in the, the previous days. So you have a real noticeable change in something, you know, if, and you don't have any other symptoms, it's just the voice you know, that you're, that you're noticing changes in, it, if you, it, it's very logical and makes really good sense that if you did a lot with your voice the day before, or the two or three days before, then you're probably swollen. I mean, that's just a, you know, but now are there other things that interfere and make our larynx, what I call a, an unhappy environment <laughs> that and facilitates swelling for other reasons, which which is more global swelling, not focal swelling, because there are different kinds here. And so those are things like what Chris is talking about. So like, is does a person snore or have sleep apnea? Uh, do they have uh, GERD or LPR, like acid reflux issues, uh, nocturnal reflux? Do they have allergies? Uh, that are, you know, in post-nasal drip, there's all, do they have other inflammatory diseases or disorders that are 
causing systemic problems in the body. So there are absolutely those more, those other factors that can make someone more susceptible to swelling. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's a whole other topic. Oh, massive. But to Chris's point, Laurie, would, would you, um, would you crack up? I mean, at what point do you say, whether it's sleeping with your mouth open or reflux or the fact you've just earned two gigs the night previous it, at what point do you say well i'm not i shouldn't i i shouldn't do a, i shouldn't do a warm-up today as hard as i would do in the i shouldn't go and perform today i, I think that's still a you know what at what point do you say no no i'm not is it just a you said a minor swelling at one point it's hard to say everyone feels it different but what is there any context you can give to the listeners to say yeah. ideally you wouldn't do anything that is um i mean that's a really difficult question to answer because it's so individual and mm. and this is why we love for singers to have a good team <laughs> you know with them you know uh, have a, a trusted vo voice professional they can inquire about those things with to help them make those decisions but if you're making those decisions by yourself uh, if it's just a one-time thing, you know, say for example, you've got this one thing that night, that, that day, you've got to get through it, your voice, uh, you've got a little swelling or even moderate swelling, but you can warm up and once you warm up, everything's feeling okay and you can do all the things you need to do. I think it's very reasonable to say the show can go on as long as you're like I remember what I said a little bit ago, no unpaid voice use. So mm. you, you save up, you know, your, your vocal cash, <laughs> as some like to say, uh, and uh, you save it up and you, you get through it the very best you can. And then the next day or two, you can say, okay, now I'm going to honor what my body is telling me and I'm going to rest my voice more significantly until i get back to baseline sure so that then you're, back you're to testing at, at the same time run, right now if you're looking if, if this is happening to you at the very beginning of a week-long run of a show that's that's a little trickier mm. and and Uphill i think struggle. it's a day-to-day -day, it's a day-to-day -day choice a day-to-day -day decision and you do not make a sound except for when you're doing that performing. Mm. For the teachers out there, Laurie, who have singers turn up to the to a lesson, mm -hmm. and you know straight away, speaking voice you can hear it. Singing voice, um, it, you just, it, it, I'll be honest. We're all friends here, aren't we? There's a lot of time I think, oh, for f do, what are we, what are you expecting <laughs> out of this next forty-five? You just, you know, you just trash your, you trash your voice. Now, what do you? I know I'm good, um, but <laughs> you are. But what, what, um, what are you expecting here? But it, what do you think? You know, would you rather they just went away and came back when they were healthy, or is there any point to doing anything at that point? Well, it really depends on how. Uh dysphonic they are okay so uh if they are mostly aphonic like if they're if they can't phonate above like 
A4, F, F4. I mean, for, for a female voice like F4, A4, um, you know, uh, you'd have to kind of take their range into consideration. So, you know, if they can't phonate above mid range, it's, you know, it's, that's a little dicey and they should probably be resting. But if you can, I, the way I handle that, now my job is different because people come to me for those exact scenarios, right? And it's my job to figure out a solution in the moment. So what I do is I go into what I say today. Okay, today, I'm so glad you're here, even though things aren't feeling great. Um, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna go into what I call healing mode, recovery and healing mode. And that is our priority. And I'm gonna walk you through a really great little five minute routine of some sounds that would be would be really great for you to do when you're like this and so so i i i think the lesson can go on maybe you shorten it mm. and you try only those really light uh healing sorts of sovts like the trills like uh straw in water in that circumstance i would not do the straw without water on a day like that, I would use the water just to make it a little easier for them. Uh, and sometimes when someone's really, really swollen, the, the straw phonation does not feel good. It's, it's, there's too no. much intraoral pressure and they don't like it. And if the straw is too deep in the water as well, it can be very disturbing. It's like nice when it's really- That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can, and so on those days, I use a, a bigger diameter straw for people. Like we just make, make it a bigger tube and that takes care of some of the, that issue. Uh, humming, humming with the tip of the tongue out is a really great, mm, I bring the tongue forward a lot in that circumstance as it lengthens the vocal tract a little more, gets the tongue out of the way. And uh, so any of those just really healing light, buzzy, really buzzy things for a short period of time. And, you know, then you've taught them something uh, and you send them away with some instructions to hydrate and rest. Uh, and, and I think it's important to mention that as teachers, you know, it's our responsibility to help them monitor that. So if they don't, you know, you need to be, voice teachers need to be checking in on that for their students. And, and I never do a, now I'm different because I'm a, th a voice therapist, but as a therapist, I never start a session. I mean, we don't do anything. They say, oh, I, ha I can't wait to show you how well this one exercise is going. Let me, let me show you what I figured out, you know? And I'll say, wait, 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 we, we, we need to kind of assess you first real quick, you know, before we do too much. And then at least you're learning about your student's baseline so that if it is different, you can let them know, oh, you know, I'm hearing, I, I think there, there's a change here that seems to be pretty persistent uh, and I think we may need to look for more information about what's going on. You know, there, there are ways to handle that in a positive way. Totally. That works for functional stuff as well. That works for like, if somebody just can't not warm up for 45 minutes, um, you know, singing, singing a little bit before they warm up to get a baseline, not a difficult song, but, and doing stuff within that, they can figure out a lot about what shortens their warm up by not warming up first, just a little bit. 
So whether it's related to sometimes oh, yeah. vocal inflammation or, or functional things, a little check-in before you warm up is valuable on both fronts. Good. And, and a fun little tidbit to you about, um, so, you know, in my work, I also occasionally I'm with someone who has injury, who is not a vocalist, not a singer of any kind. They just are complete. It's like totally foreign to them. They're not interested. Uh, I can usually coax them into doing my things and, you know, convince them about how beneficial it is. But, but if I've got someone that just really is uncomfortable singing and it makes no sense to them, you can test for swelling in falsetto speech. Right. So you can just, when the sunlight strikes raindrops in the air, they act like a prism and form a rainbow. I mean, if you're really swollen, that's going to show up what's going to be like this. Right. Go on in, Chris. Uh-uh. Yeah. Wrong <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think I've heard that <laughs> phrase somewhere. I think I've listened to voice research of lots of sound files, and it's like always, it's always the same thing people read. I'm sure it's that, isn't it? Is that? It is. Sound? It's it called is, the yeah. Rainbow Passage. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It sounded so yeah, familiar. It's a, it's a, it's a reading passage that we use to assess voices in the United States. Um, uh, but you know, this the the thing that. If you're a voice teacher, you know, we assume it's not always the case, really, but we assume that most voice teachers have a basic ability to listen diagnostically to these little warning signals that might come up in their students' voices. And but from my perspective, as someone who collaborates with voice teachers or either finds out from singers that you know, this, this, this thing that's been happening really often, like the swelling that's showing up real frequently, or it becomes the norm, you know, that their teacher is saying that it's, oh, well, you just need to breathe better. You just need to support better. Let's just, let's work on that. Let's, uh, we can do this differently. And, you know, there's only a, a there's a reasonable period of time that that can go on. Uh, where you're doing trial and error to 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 resolve the issue in the studio before you know that person needs to be guided towards medical assessment. Mm -hmm. That is that is and, really yeah uh, so that's I, really I, cool. That's a cool thing to say. I think I think and it's it's a uh, um, if if there's a, a number of areas that you can prod and assess, but really everything always seems to return no matter what. Um, that is yes. often missed. I find that is often really missed. And a part of what I do with vocal coaches, we do a lot of movement assessment and measurement that doesn't involve hearing so that what they get is they hear something, but also they can take some slightly more objective measures um, that yes. can be written like, you know, maximum, for, like, like, like their longest note. I'm not going to use technical language, uh, longest note, whatever. There's loads of things and movement in the ribs that make changes. And if you see like voice quality always retains some roughness during all of that, then it's like, oh, this probably isn't a functional thing or more, more likely to be inflammatory. But I don't think every vocal coach is endowed with a, an ability or just a toolkit to do that. So they and then they feel pressured to know what it is by ear. And that means they, well, they stick with stuff too long. 
uh, it takes years and years of listening to disordered voices to to really to really learn just mm. by that you know that that uh, modality. I think uh, too though, uh, you know, it's really important. Those opportunities are golden for voice coaches and teachers. So you know, that's an opportunity for you to make your studio a really safe place to talk about swelling and injury and and be really direct with your students about it. We don't have to, I don't believe in tiptoeing around the topic. You know, I think I, I, I think it's, I think it's okay for us to say what it is and, and be open about that with them and let them know this is something it's okay for us to talk about. Uh, and because the more we do that, then people are willing to ask for help and look for, uh, look for solutions and answers rather than hiding in shame and worrying and going, letting it persist for a year before they get help. Yep, totally. Awesome. Great. Before we get into those questions that from the, for listeners, mate, uh, Laurie, do you, if you got a, Let's just say someone wasn't going to be involved in performances. They said, right, I'm going to give myself, I'm definitely feeling someone here that I'm missing the, the top of my range, all these things you've mentioned. And I've got the next four weeks to, to sort someone out. What, what tools, what's in your, what's in your toolkit that people could use? For, for working, Recovery. working themselves back to their best baseline. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I think that. I think you want to definitely commit to something that I call relative voice rest uh, that, you know, so we've got your daily warm up. You've got your uh, relative voice rest. I'm about to define what that is. Uh, maybe some vocal resets to kind of mitigate swelling throughout the day and just kind of remind your voice about that. Like we talked about optimization earlier uh and uh and then of course sleep <laughs> hydration all the all the sort of general health things um relative voice rest is the concept of resting your voice and when i say voice rest voice rest does not mean singing softer it does not mean marking it does not mean doing a little bit it means silence okay so i have learned in my career that with the singers that I'm taking through these experiences that if you've got moderate swelling, five to six half hour breaks of silence throughout the course of the day for a period of a couple of weeks, you know, one week, two weeks, you kind of have to monitor it. That's generally enough silence to sort of bring someone back to, to a better baseline. Uh, and so you want to get those little bursts of silence in, you know, which means you have to do less. Mm. You, ha you schedule have to. schedule differently or something. You have to schedule differently, and you you. Um, I also like the idea of a singer, or a voice teacher, a voice coach, like anyone that's just really busy vocally. Out of your seven day week, I like for you to take two days to do significantly less voice. Mm -hmm. 
And that is another way to sort of balance those weeks and, and sort of give you, and you can either put them together or it's nice to separate them. You know, so if you have two really busy days vocally, then you take that third day to rest. Yep. And on the third mm. day, you rested, <laughs> you know, like that's kind of the, the idea. And then you're ready to go. So, so the, you've got to really do some soul searching about what is the right balance of silence and warm up and practice and exercise and performance. You know, it's like, how much do I use it? But how much do I rest it? And every person's balance is different. Yeah, totally. And the great yeah, thing about amazing. rest is it doesn't require thought either, does it? So it's like a nice, if you don't have anybody in your team, like a coach or a therapist, then um, it's it's not, there's very little, if not nothing to risk by, by applying that into your routine. Nothing, nothing at nothing all. At I mean, all. and you don't need, yeah, you just, you, now, if you do that very uh, diligently for a, a few weeks, and you're not getting the results that you hope for and expect and things are still really then it's time you know we generally say that two to three week rule that if you're not sensing improvement and it's persistent then you need to seek professional help great mm. and which is one more the attachment there and i don't know if you agree with this Lloyd. one of the things that we encourage is a planned kind of cyclical rest you know, it falls in line. It's something picked up years ago with uh, actual physical working out. And um, and also, funny enough, more recently, when I've become obsessed with how much I can ruin my body with caffeine recently <laughs> in recent years. And um, how are you getting on with that? And then when you look at it, yeah, I'm a great job. Fantastic Good. job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pummeling myself into the ground. But that's the point. But with that, whether it's that or whether it's working out or whether it's voice use, there's a there's an overall stress on the body, right? To whatever level. And then so then you look at that and you go, well, I'm going to be incre I'm gonna be in in increasing the stress and therefore increasing inflammation probably and all the other things that come with that across this next one, two, three, four days. So perhaps what I do is I know that's gonna happen and that's fine because that's science, but on, I'm gonna t on the fourth and fifth day. That's when I do. I just I know I'm taking a break that day. I'm on those two days because it will take one, two, three days to get back to where you were because right, you right. pushed and it see, so far. And there's and nothing wrong with that. Like we hmm. know our voices were designed and made to be really strong and powerful for us. They're they're built to do this. But the reality is, no other tissue in the human body gets subjected to the level of trauma that the mucosa does. I mean, there's just really, I don't know if there is another, you know, another tissue and, and we don't think of it like that though, like we do other parts of our body, you know, mm -hmm. we just, we just have this, it, the voice is like this mysterious magical thing in there and it just has endless power <laughs> mm -hmm. and 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 that's not true it's biological and all biological things have limits right and so so it's okay for us to plan like that around our vocal acrobatics and athletics too uh and and it doesn't mean that you're less of a singer or less of a teacher or it's just normal care related to the wear and tear that we put on it totally 
Don't know. I think I think my eardrums are getting quite a lot of trauma these days from my children. Uh, probably comparable to my voice. Uh, so maybe that maybe that second. Let's take a three day break. <laughs> yeah, three day yeah. break every week, mate. That's all you need. Can I take that an acoustic break from my from my two year old? No, I can't. Love him. <laughs> Love him really. Yeah. Um, now, what we, we should we should we at, in terms of the the, the uh, wondrous amount of uh, of things that you've spoken about already, um, a lot of the questions that we were asked, you've actually covered them inadvertently or maybe planned uh, within oh, what you've said. Um, so there's actually one left over, which was a bit of an outlier to the information. Um, so I'll ask that f- um, from somebody who was in our Facebook group, which and the question goes verbatim. As a dancer, when having muscle pulls and similar injuries, I used Arnica in large doses to get me back performing the next day. Is there any homeopathic remedies that are equivalent for a singer? Mm. Um, my answer is no. <laughs> um, I'm not and a big let's fan search for of, it. <laughs> uh, right, right. I mean, I, I mean, someone may be able to contradict me on that. Um, in my world, no, there, there is not anything that we can uh, outwardly apply to the the tissue on the outside uh, that would lower inflammation and pain. I don't even know that that would really be advisable. This is a pretty important area here. There's a lot of really important functions going on. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story that, uh, and, and I, you know. I'm sure other people have tried this. I, I when I was a really young uh, fellow, uh, speech pathologists have to do fellowships, and I was doing my fellowship in a hospital, and we did have someone who uh, who tried uh, putting like, you know, hemorrhoid ointment on their <laughs> neck to like lower <laughs> inflammation. You know, I'm so and, childish, uh, but that is funny. But you know what? They swore that it made a difference and that it was helpful. And you to know, their so hemorrhoids I, 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 or to their voice. But um, for their voice, <laughs> they said that it, it made a difference. Here, it's just know? my bum just gets so much more comfortable from putting it here. It's so yes, strange. I know, yes. I know. But but no, there is not anything that I'm aware of. Um, you know, we're we always want lotions, potions, drinks pills, you know, things and, and, you know, respectfully time, you know, the body needs time. It needs rest. Uh, it needs to be, you know, cared for, uh, in all the, the really sort of organic ways like hydration and, and, uh, so I think as long as you're hydrating and resting, I don't know that there's really a whole lot you can do to speed up the process. Uh, you know, I would say that of all the things I could think of that might give a similar uh, response, like the Arnica, would be some laryngeal massage. Mm. You know, massage, laryngeal massage is great for, uh, and it can give immediate results. Uh, you know, just any kind of, I even just call it like kind of like petting the larynx, you know, it's just like, <laughs> just sort of dragging the you know, dragging the hands down. We don't really know what we're doing. We're, we're pulling on the skin. We're affecting the fascia in some way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're starting anything like that. We're starting a conversation with the brain that says, hey, this, this needs some attention. 
this this needs to feel better. And I, I think things like that are just as useful in a situation like that. Great. So lay off the anus old tea. Um, this yes. will be much better. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> So should we, should we wrap it up there with, uh, with Anusol? Um, that was, seems like a good thing. Um, <clears throat> call it a day on that one. Um, Laurie, you have been uh, very um, forthcoming, giving, valuable, lots of stuff to take home. Uh, so much to think about for anybody. Which, and what I like about that is whether you're a hobbyist or whether you're a pro. Um, yeah, it, you, you just all face the same challenges in different amounts, which is really cool. So there's a lot there for everyone. So but you've got great stuff going on. You've got workshops um, online, which are happening. So why don't you tell everybody like what's coming up for you next week? Yeah, yeah, we're um, so I before the workshop uh, came to fruition, uh, I started releasing a, a, a really a, sort of intensive blog series on vocal fold swelling and so the first two parts of that have been released on my website uh which is www.sonnenbergvoice.com uh, and so that's a lot of this information kind of in written form uh and i've been wanting for a very long time to do a a, a workshop around the topic of swelling uh, and so we are doing a two-part workshop. So the first part of the two-part workshop is this coming Thursday, February 23rd uh, at 10 a.m. Central Time. And during that first part of it, we're going to talk about uh, interpretation, detection, and recovery of swelling. Great. So that's sort of the focus for that one. The second part, which is going to be um, in early April, will be uh, the prevention piece. So, but in this first, it's just too big of a topic to put all together. And so that's happening this week. Uh, a two week playback recording will be available for people who register. Uh, we're going to have singers. We're going to have voice coaches and teachers. We've got some producers coming, uh, singers, of course, of all genres and levels. And and even if you're not a singer, just anyone who uses their voice a lot, it's it's uh, going to be really detailed, focused uh, information on that. So I'm pretty excited about it. It's a first. It's a first to put this out there like that. Mm. Uh, so uh, this is this is really like intellectual work product that is more has been more a part of like my voice clinic for a long time. And so this information is really coming from that 20 plus years experience. Terrific. And if, by the way, if somebody is catching this podcast after that date in 2023, um, where would they go to the same place to kind of find out more about what you're doing in future? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Instagram, uh, we're pretty active on Instagram uh, about this topic and and sharing all the things uh, and that my handle is at Sonnenberg Voice for that. And so all of the links are in my bio there. Um, my website, though, is pretty, uh, you know, pretty friend user friendly, easy to find things on there. Um, and you know, sign up is available through any of those, through any of those options. And so, you know, we'd love to have as many people uh, that are interested. We're, uh, I also, a uh, kind of a fun thing, I have been mentoring uh, 
uh, a singing voice teacher and vocologist this last year, and she is joining my teaching team. And so she's going to be involved in that workshop for the first time too this next week. And so that's exciting. Her name is Ella Geiger. Oh, amazing. What a great opportunity. Um, so thank mm. you. Thanks so much for that. Cheers, Steve, as well. That was, that was um, great to get back in the saddle. Yes, Absolutely. thank you so much for, for I feel really special to be the the sort of uh, relaunch guest. Uh, you're coming out of hibernation and it's been really fun to to get to share all of this with you. I, I you can tell I'm very passionate about it and and I do feel very strongly that that this sort of thing is like the key to long-term success for all of us. Yeah, agreed. Thank you, Laurie. We'll speak thank to you soon. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah.